0: Welcome to the podcast, people more interesting than me. I'm your host, Michael Strumsky, and this week I'm talking to Nikhil Yesupriya. Nikhil is a good friend from high school. However, since then, we've both lost touch. Today, he walks me through how him and two friends took a food cart at a farmer's market and made it into one of the best Asian fusion restaurants in Baltimore today we also dive into what it was like for his family to immigrate to the U.S. in the 90s from India. But today I, with, I have with me a high school friend. We've lost contact, uh, Nikhil. How long has it been since we've actually seen each other? Probably since high school. Dude,
1: yeah, I mean, I was just I was talking to my wife about it. It must be like 15 years. Um, it's been a long time. And it's really too bad because I was just... I was telling her, because we did uh, we played football together. We also were on the track team together. We also were on the track team together. And we also were in the same prom group.
0: Yes, we were. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Um, you know, I actually, I don't know if you've tried this yet, but going to your MySpace, have you tried recovering photos? Not in a long time. No. Like, they have nothing. I think, like, either they had a memory issue or, like... You know, I don't know if I want to see those old photos, <laughs> truthfully. I was a very awkward, uh, uh, high
1: schooler. Um, I mean, I, I, am a, ask my close friends. I'm, I'm, I'm still a pretty awkward person, but back then I was like really developing like myself. And so there's a special place in heaven, I think for the people, for the friends who are still friends with me <laughs> from like those teenagers. Cause it was, it was, uh, it was very awkward, cringeworthy as the kids say these days.
0: I and think. I mean, I looked at your Instagram, you're still strong friends with Kevin Song. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We live two blocks away from each other. So yeah, we still, uh, we hang out pretty often. Um, I told him I was, he's actually uh, taking my dog for a walk after lunch.
0: Well, thank you, Kevin, for taking yeah, thank you, Kevin, for a walk. <laughs> so you have, I know you have one sister. Do you, you have a younger brother as well, yep. right? And yep. you're the oldest.
1: I'm the oldest of three. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, I, I, well, of the three, I'm the only one born in India. Uh, well, my, so my mom... My mom was pregnant with me when she found out that, um, that she had gotten a job in Tacoma Park area, um, and so then she came by herself. That's actually a kind of a crazy story. Do, do, yeah. Do, you, you want me to yeah, get in right into though? that? go into that, because I'm okay. like,
0: how do, you, how do you uproot your family? It must be a really good job, though, right?
1: Yeah. Um, not necessarily, so I'm trying to figure or out where, she where to start.
0: trying to make the move already.
1: My mom was a nurse in India. She was teaching in a nursing school, and then um, at the time, early 90s, there was a big shortage of nurses in the States. And so, a lot of um, my Indian friends' moms also came to the States around that same time to fill that shortage. And so, there were a lot of uh, visas being given out for that reason. So, my mom was part of that cohort of Indian women who came. Um, but she was pregnant with me when she found out uh, that she had gotten um, a visa, or I guess it was a green card, I forgot what it was, um, gotten permission to come to the States and work mm-hmm. as a nurse in, in uh, DC General Hospital. Mm-hmm. And so, um, she ended up having me, and then my dad, who was relatively young, and he was he had to live in the city. And my mom's actually from like a, a more rural um, area of India where it hasn't changed much over two hundred years. Um, and so my you said mom, two
0: hundred years.
1: Yeah, we we can get to that. We can get to that okay. in, in, in a bit. Um, and so my mom um, actually, I didn't know this until earlier this month. My parents just invited. Christy and I, Christy and my wife, um, for for lunch, and my dad was, like, oh, we're gonna celebrate being in this country for thirty years, and I was like, oh, cool. So go to this Indian place for lunch, and we're sitting down, and my mom just tells me out of the blue that um, I was living with my grandmother for the first five or six months of my life, because apparently what happened is uh, she'd gotten um, the pass to come to the states, and she didn't want to, you know, let go of that. She didn't want to because that is a, just a huge opportunity to, to come to the states, um, and so. My dad was working in Bangalore, and my grandmother and my grandfather watched me in Godic, which is a northern, um, like more rural city of um, Karnataka, which is the state that we're from, and I was just with her for seven months. And my dad actually did not know me until he came to pick me up um, and took me to the airport. Actually, I think my grandmother actually met him at the airport. He met me at the airport and then hopped on a plane to the States right then and there. Um, and so that was like the first time he actually got so to know So he hadn't me. seen
0: you for the first five years, basically?
1: Uh, 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 first five, uh, first like five or six months. Man, I bet he was excited. Yeah, I don't know how I survived that trip, to be honest. Because <laughs> my dad, uh, yeah, I don't, actually I do know how. He, he told me the flight was from Bangalore to Europe to the States. And my dad literally just got me and a bag and was told to get on the flight, right? And so he's on the flight and apparently I'm just crying like the entire time. And... The benefit, this is what it tells me, the benefit of having a 2,000 person wedding in India is that you'll probably run into someone who was at your wedding at some point. And so there's actually this woman who was at my parents' wedding um, who came up to my dad and was like, I know you, I know your sister. She definitely packed something in that bag to take care of this kid. And um, yeah, apparently there's like some baby Benadryl in there or something. And then him and my dad were just, uh, they had they made, they made a little like hammock out of like some cloth and they just like rocked me to bed
0: in, in the plane um because everyone was upset at that point on the plane. You I know you don't know this yet, but that's we uh, uh Karen and I went to Puerto Rico like a month or two ago and honestly the flight situation if it if it would have been perfect it would have been easy, but it there was cancellations and stuff like long story short. Basically, it is a um a parent's worst like it's like I always say Disney is a Super Bowl of parenting, but that's like a different Super Bowl and a different sport is being on a plane with a child, especially if they're mobile, like if they can walk and they need constant stimulation. It's like it, it's like you're at one of the big casinos in Las Vegas <laughs> and you're trying to entertain all these people who didn't come to see you. Yeah, that's what I feel like when my chat when he was on the airplane and Elmo was like the only Um, Let's say um, who's in big uh, Britney Spears who's the only Britney Spears I could bring out to entertain him
1: (laughs) That is interesting.
0: Yeah, sorry uh, Tangent um, no, no. no. I mean
1: again, I I don't know. I I haven't experienced that before we don't have kids, but um, Especially on an international flight when I were playing for like 16 hours. I don't know how I I got to the States um, In one piece, but uh, yeah, here I am um, but yeah, so that just goes to show you how big of a deal it was to come to the States from my family, you know, um, that was an opportunity that my mom couldn't let go of and, and my dad or any of my uncles or aunts, if they had that opportunity.
0: So, um, no, that's awesome. So basically she was she, your family was looking to move to the United States from India. Yeah. I think, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, but India has like a brain drain problem
1: because as soon as someone has the means and the opportunity to leave, they leave, you know? um i was thinking about that a lot during covid especially because um i have a lot of family who actually i have some family passed away uh, from covid in india and just the hospital systems there were so like overworked run down but i think there was also i don't know i, I imagine that uh, the the level of care was not as good as it, as it would have been in the states and that's that, that's what my family told me um but um yeah so in india it's, a lot of Indians leave to the states or have some family in New Zealand, Canada. Um, New Zealand, huh? Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's the popular. one. That makes
0: sense. Not as much of a move to New Zealand as it is United States, right? Yeah, it's I'm not a little sure why bit New closer. Zealand specifically, I never hear of anyone going to like Germany or Switzerland yeah. or something. But I guess what what was it like growing up with? Um, did you did you notice anything differences from any other families or? You know,
1: I think that's one of the big blessings that m- me and my family had is growing up where we did in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Um, because I grew up and my siblings grew up in a space where everyone was different and it made you feel like less of an outsider, I think. And so the long me so actually here here's a fun little anecdote about my name. So actually you introduced me as Nikhil, um, which in high school was what most folks call me actually. So when my family came to the states, they wanted very much for me uh, and you know, my siblings to assimilate, uh, and so they call me Nick my whole childhood. Mm-hmm. My grandparents would call me Nikhil, but you know those are like early memories. And then in, in the Longmead area, most of my friends were um, black and Latino, and I uh, they all call me Nikhil. Even my teachers call me Nikhil because it sounds like Khalil or Shaquille, and that's just how they read it, you know, on on the uh, attendance roster. And then um, so. That was in middle school. And then through high school, I just followed. So everyone who knows me from high school also calls me Nikhil. But in college, I, I got involved with an Indian student organization, made a lot of Indian friends. And I think it was like my first week of, of undergrad at UMBC that uh, my friend's girlfriend at the time told me that I was pronouncing my name wrong. So like, your name's not Nikhil, it's Nikhil. And so then she, like, she tells me how she knows. And I go back to my mom, I'm like, mom, like, how do I say my name? And she says, it's Nikhil like okay then why did you just let me say whatever i wanted to this whole time no because that's what everyone called you like you know whatever made you comfortable and so i uh and so after college i had with with that understanding in that circle i um i introduced myself as nick hill but then once i actually started a business i went back to nick for a little bit just because as a business owner you want your clientele you want the community to like easily understand and get to know you and feel familiar with you and so nick was just a and it just made that process a little bit easier, you know. Um, so then I, I did
0: that for a couple of years, and now I'm back to Nick Hill. So <laughs> that's what I'm going with. That's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned your business. Can you – and it was a restaurant, right? Yeah. So, so let's start off with what – actually, what we're going to start off with is my fondest memory of you. Do you remember yeah. that we had English class together with Dr. Daniel? I was thinking about that earlier, yeah. And I was like – the one memory i have like strong memory is the poem you wrote about yeah. fried chicken yeah. and i was like i was thinking back i was thinking back to the, like right now and i'm like did he actually write that cuz that was like that's one of those moments where you look at cuz i had a couple of mo- like maybe one moment where a teacher came up to me and was like did you did you plagiarize that cuz to be fair i'm a really horrible writer but i think i can come up with the words but i can't always 90% of the time, I can't get them out correctly, as people can hear on this podcast. Um, but uh, when you were reading that poem, so basically, uh, just so the audience knows, uh, the beginning of his poem started off with crisp, juicy thighs and like all these really descript terms that someone would think we're talking about, like uh, uh, male or female, like attractive woman or like. But by the end, you get to the poem and it's talking about fried chicken. Yeah. And I was like, there's, and it was probably one of the best poems I'd ever heard in high school. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and I was like, wow, like this is like, and when I was thinking about it recently, just because we had this interview coming up, I was like, there's no way he wrote that because that was an amazing poem. Like, yeah, it was like a, a twist at the end. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't think.
1: Yeah, I, I did remember writing that poem. Funny enough, my I was kind of raised on like Indian food and Popeyes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I just had a lot of fried chicken growing up, Popeyes and McDonald's. It was a lot of like fast food Indian food, but um, I've actually liked reading and writing a lot. I, I wrote for the NBC Literary Magazine. Um, it's something that I actually kind of feel like it's a legacy that's been passed on. Like every generation on my dad's side has been like an English person, like an mm-hmm. English teacher. Um, but yeah, no, I I wrote that one. That was every once in a while. A Back when I was writing, I would just have like these moments of creativity, and then be able to like write it down. And um, I don't have that as much anymore. I think it's maybe an age thing. I don't know, but yeah, that was that was really funny. I, I don't know where that came from, but uh, I do remember that class just really surprising everyone, and I surprised myself too to to, uh, to a degree. But
0: uh, yeah, it kind of yeah. touches on what you were talking about before that. I I don't know if we we got that on record, but you talking about how you were a different guy in high school, kind of. And I always thought you were a little bit more reserved, but maybe I saw you more than a lot of other people saw you just because yeah. we were closer and all those sports together.
1: You're also just a very <laughs> understanding and like accepting person, exceptionally so. You were, I don't know if i ever told you this, you were one of the few like white guys who I felt really connected to growing up. Yeah. Like maybe like you're like one of maybe two or three. And I still remember the time that you invited me to your parents' place for spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> and uh, I remember sitting down and being like, this is, like, the most American thing I've ever done. Like, sitting here with with, with this white family having spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. Like, this is great.
0: It's so funny that you mentioned that because uh, I think when I talked to Sean Park, and my dad even brings this up, because Sean Park was there, too. Yeah. And he just, I think Sean Park mentions that. My dad mentions it. Really? Because Sean Park seems like he had, like, a cause I think he had this a similar situation because you know, his family's, uh, uh, Korean and, uh, I guess his dinner situation was completely different cause they didn't have spaghetti and meatballs as well. It was always, um, I assume, uh, Korean or Korean type food. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I guess you never think about that. Um, it wasn't so much the food because you know I asked my mom to make a casserole every once in Was a while. Was it but family, like, the the family style and just yeah, like,
1: just like the family style and just the the culture of dinner is a little bit different, I, I think also. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but um, yeah, th- that that memory stands out in my in my mind. It's like one of the first um, I don't know white American experiences that I had growing up, um, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it, uh, and and just for like your friendship, truthfully, um, you and a couple other uh, guys that I. I grew up with who just kind of didn't care that I was kind of different. You know what I'm saying? And like that yeah. I was awkward. And so th- that was very, uh, that was very cool. So thank you for that. Well, yeah,
0: I think that just comes with my parents are both seven Pete They both have uh, six brothers and sisters, each of them. So that type of thing was just like commonplace for them. Mm-hmm. Like always inviting. They're, they're like the type of people always invite other people, always look um, probably to a fault. Like, Overreaching. Like, for example, like I told you this morning, like my dad and mom were on their way here, even though I told them specifically (laughs) to come at 12 o'clock. Like, I have reasons for stuff. It's not just like I'm an eight year old child. And it. But, uh, yeah, that's nice to hear. It kind of gives my parents a nice zeal, like, to their overreaching quality. Because you don't really see that. Like, when you think of your parents, you don't. Because you're so uh, hammered down with the qualities that you don't like about them, that you don't think of them in um, looking outside from in. You know what I mean? No,
1: I've only met your parents like once. Maybe I I remember seeing your dad again in a football game later, but um, remember them fondly (laughs) from
0: that from those uh, two instances. Yeah. Well, that's good. So let's get back to your restaurant. So what? (laughs) Because we branched off on the poem, and then we got from there. But uh, I guess. What came into your head when you first had thoughts of doing it? Like
1: Yeah, so let's. Yeah, so it was myself, my buddy, uh, Steve Chu, uh, so and uh, Ephraim Abebe, and we all went to UMBC at the time. We actually started off. Steve was Kevin Song's sweet mate. That's how I met Steve. And, uh, and then Ephraim, we actually met through Habitat for Humanity freshman year of, of college. We would go on these habitat trips into Baltimore city into less invested in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And so we would go there build houses for Habit- with habitat for me do a spring break trip. We'd get a, a big crew of people from UBC down to Florida. But yeah. So that's where we met. Steve has always been in the restaurant industry. His dad has a Chinese place in Pikesville, a really good place, jumbo seafood. Um, I actually worked there all through undergrad as a delivery driver. And then after undergrad, I worked as like a, a waiter and back of house stuff a little bit, but, um, So he's always been in the restaurant industry. Ephraim's always been in food management. Uh, He was working at Starbucks for a long time. Um, And he's also just a very, he's like the, he's like a people person, like a coach, just like really energized. Um, I had no interest in getting into the restaurant industry, but when we were talking about it, I was more interested in um, being a business owner, just experiencing that and learning from that experience. and creating something. I think creating something that was unique. And I I think one of the big reasons why I got into it is I really felt that we had something special to offer the city and the, even the world to a degree. And, and I feel it because I, we're all, Steve and I are both Montgomery County kids. Um, Ephraim spent time in Montgomery County as well. And I think that this area ha- and the, the folks who are from here have this unique experience when it comes to like diversity and bringing people together and and really appreciating people's differences and knowing how to build off of each other. After undergrad, we were kind of talking about maybe starting a little business. Um, we'd go to Steve's dad's restaurant after it closed. They're closed on Mondays. We'd just go there and just cook for friends who were in Baltimore. Um, we'd just invite them over, just cook stuff. Family dinner. Yeah, family dinner, exactly. It was just family. It was just family meal. Um, and then after undergrad, I my actually pathway after undergrad was I, um, I majored in biology, English lit minor, did the whole, oh, like, you know, your parents want you to be a doctor. I did the whole biology thing uh, as an Indian, or as a South Asian. And um, I really did enjoy it a lot. I actually really got into bioinformatics, which is computational biology, um, using like programming to look like, at genetic code. And um, I was basically working on protein databases. Um, but I wanted, at the time, my, my vision for the future was, I'll be like that quirky uh, community college professor with like a good wool coat with patches on the elbows, and you know, just be about his students and just like hang out and be involved in the community and like, you know, wouldn't really make a whole lot of money, but at least I'm, I really enjoyed the academic space. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Um, so like, I did a graduate degree. I wanted to get a PhD in bioinformatics. Um, but at the same time, so that same month, this was in August of I think 2014, we I got a call from the text from Steve saying, hey ben is a business. Our first day at the farmer's market is next Saturday. And I was like, oh, okay. So, like, we weren't joking around. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was always interested and serious about it, but I think I was also very ignorant as to what it w- would require of me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, because I never worked in, I, I worked in Steve's dad's restaurant, but it was a very different being in the kitchen cooking all the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. Um, started grad school and Eckie been around the same time we would be at the Fells Point Farmer's Market every Saturday um, we would actually on Friday night we'd wake up around I, I, I was looking at my parents' place wake up around 1.30 or 2 in the morning drive up to Pikesville cook for maybe like 4 hours and then put everything on the back of uh, we had a hot dog cart and we had a bunch of these cameras which are these um, food peating uh, containers mm-hmm. pack everything up in that get to the farmer's market around 7.30 or 8 a.m. And then serve food from eight till noon, pack everything back up, go back to the restaurant, um, unload everything, clean everything up, and then go home and sleep. and so we did that for the farmers market season for two years, and it wasn't we, we weren't making any money at that point we were just 22, 23 year old guys who had the energy to do it and just wanted to see what we can do. So, yeah, the first season we were just giving away food essentially. Mm-hmm. Like we were, we were not, we were making meatballs and just handling, it, handing out meatball samples because it's so the food is Asian fusion. Mm-hmm. And so at the time we were serving Thai chicken meatballs on rice or in a steamed bun sandwich. Um, we didn't. The fried chicken wasn't even a thing yet at the time. It was Thai chicken meatballs. It was we had a Japanese tofu curry, but um, and we were just trying to educate people on the product really Mm -hmm. um and so the first year we just lost we we just lost money and just worked every weekend um for maybe those four four or five months um and then the following spring was when the uprising happened freddie gray happened everything and so that kind of changed both our energy and motives but also um yeah, it, it was just a weird time because a lot of people were leaving the city at that time, mm-hmm. and I think a lot, there was a lot of deinvestment happening. Uh, there were a lot of nonprofits coming into the city to try and do good work there, um, but it really felt for us like um, for us it was, it was invigorating because we were trying to give something to a community that we thought could use a lift up, you mm-hmm. know, right um, and yes, yeah, so. so, so that next farmer's market season, a lot of people had left. Um, we were one of the vendors that were still there. We are still at our hot dog cart. Um, but now we kind of have like a small following. So my role with the company, so Steve was the head chef. Ephraim was the general manager. I was doing a lot of the like, I was doing all the marketing and the branding and culture building. That was kind of my thing. I'm, um, I'm not a very like people. You were doing person, the infrastructure actual. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and infrastructure, yeah. Um, so... After that second uh, year at the farmer's market, towards the end of it, we had a real following. Like We
0: mm-hmm. um, had a lot of what people... What was the name? The name of the restaurant? Right? Yeah.
1: Oh, Eki Ben.
0: Okay. Did I not say that yet? I think you said that, and I I, I, I probably missed it, so keep going. I'll cut out my stupidity. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I probably didn't say that, actually. Um, but uh, yeah,
1: so it's Eki Ben. they are now a couple locations, one in Fells Point in Baltimore, um, one in Hamden, and I think they might open one up in... Bad Hill scene? I'm not sure. Okay. But um, so after that second season, um, we had enough of a following in Fell's Point that uh, we were sort of looking for places. Um, we decided to stay in the Fell's Point neighborhood because it was a neighborhood that supported us the most. Um, and we had a good following there. We found a place and we opened that up. And so then I left my um, graduate studies mm-hmm. um, at the end of that season. And then I uh, came into the restaurant full time.
0: So what mode were you at one point where you were, cause that's a big move, right? Cause yeah. you, you stopped with the graduate program. So obviously a, you must've found more joy in what you yeah. were doing with that. And Not
1: necessarily. And it, it, it's,
0: it's a good question. I think it was a very
1: hard decision for me to make. Actually, there was like a, a, an internal turmoil of wanting to do both things, but having to give one up. And it was like weeks of me just like mulling it over. And it was, it was rough. But I think, um, at the end of the day, I decided that I didn't want to let go of this opportunity to build something special and be a part of it that's in, in the city. And um, so I left with my master's and uh, yeah, started And then. And I just, I honestly, a, a lot of people say like, oh, it must have been really brave to do this. Like That's what I was going to say. You know, it took a lot yeah, of courage that's what you're gonna to gonna say. Kind of <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, 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 a thin line that separates like courage and bravery and just ignorance. <laughs> and naivety and I think I was really walking
0: the line very closely um because I just didn't know what I was getting into yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, you make a good point on the thin line but at some point it it's not just ignorance and bravery it's more what do you enjoy did you actually I mean you said you wanted to be kind of like the, oh, yeah, no, no, the I... kooky pro, pro, professor yeah. but um I mean you you seem like you were having fun. You're- no no no.
1: It, it was a great time. No, I I, I love the time there. It was, I think the restaurant is the closest thing I've experienced to like military service, for a couple of different things. It is very it's it's very hard. It's very emotionally, physically taxing, uh, mentally taxing. It's long hours every day. Um, you have but you have a squad with you, right? You have you mm-hmm. have your staff with you, and you guys are just like in it. You know, um, I think initially. It was just maybe four of us, like uh, one or two friends that we hired. But then things started picking up really quickly. Acuban got popular um, very fast, and I don't think any of us. Re- I thought it would get popular, but not at the rate at which it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hired a staff, and it was just how big? On-
0: how big was your staff?
1: We would have to have like six person, six people in the kitchen at, at any time. Um, I don't oh. know if, if things have changed recently. That's uh, crazy. I, yeah, and, and for folks who. So I, I'm no longer part of Ecumen. It's something that I started and then I sold it a couple of years back, and I'll get into that a little bit more. But um, like six six people on staff, I think um for for like a busy dinner, six or seven, um, depending on the night. And so we would em- employ maybe like close to twenty people. And so we were like that's awesome. We were like 24, 25 when we were doing this. Yeah. You
0: know? So it was it was kind of insane. Can I can I ask you one question before yeah. for you? And because the issue with me is I forget all the good questions as Yeah, yeah as you did, people you have did. done. But. Uh, I I assume you had a massive growth of having to deal with people. Oh yeah, because once I took on management, you never realize how much actually goes into managing people, and that you have to deal with oh you're late again, like all these other like you're dealing with human a lot more human problems than restaurant problems, right? It was tough.
1: Yeah, it was tough. Um, I think one benefit we had is there were a lot of folks who we our age, who we can relate to. Um, a lot of folks, it, like, it was mostly like a black and brown staff, actually, uh, at least when I, when I was there for, for a long part of it. And I think there was like a, a kinship there that we were really representing ourselves, mm-hmm. that we're bringing something special to the community, um, that uh, we... And so everyone was very invested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there were times when it was very, very hard. And so in those times, that's when it, that skill of management and manage people's expectations and trying to encourage them that came in. Um, that was more valued at those, at those points.
0: Nobody grows up and believes that they're, you don't know the job you're going to fall into. But one of the things you don't think about is actually having to fire people. Yeah. Like, did you actually have, like I've, I've probably fired maybe, maybe 15 people while working at the job I'm at Mm -hmm. just because there's high turnover. But like, did you ever have to, especially someone near your age, which is, is like you said, you relate to them. So yeah. was that, did you ever have to do you that? Know
1: I don't think I specifically had to. I think Ephraim and Steve did a couple of times. Um, I think they were just better with it. Um, it's funny. And, and it was never like a, um, it was never a happy situation. It was like, um, for us, you know, there were a couple of times. So one fun, fun thing about, interesting thing about Ecuben about is that I think because it was a mostly black and brown operation. And because it was in an area, like we're kind of like right on the border gentrification in Fells Point, like we're in Northern Fells Point. Right behind behind us was Perkins Homes, which is section eight housing. It's blocks and blocks of section eight housing. And so we would have kids like come say hi, hang out, grab water and leave. And we just like talk to them, you know, and it got to a point where they would come by, say hi and ask us for a job, you know? And, and, And I think part of it was because we were playing hip hop music, We were being ourselves, expressing ourselves fully. um, And it just really vibed with them to a degree. And so we tried to do this thing where we would... We tried to build, like, a youth, um, like, chef's training program. Um, It was an official thing, but we'd have kids come in. They would stage. um, If they worked out, we would hire them. Did you say
0: stage? I'm sorry. I'm not familiar
1: with the term. So so staging is when they just come in... um, Someone just comes in for a shift and just works the shift without... um, without a commitment
0: for future employment. Just oh, to, okay. That's cool. Just to try it out with the kitchen to see if it works out. I think that's... It. You, it's funny you mention that because I think they should have that for like the last two years of high school. Like just staging in different... Yeah. <laughs> I say staging, but is it just for that. cooking or in general?
1: That's uh, I've only heard it in the restaurant
0: um, uh, industry, that term. But I just... If, you, if you've listened to a couple episodes, my opinion has gone to like how college need it's not for everyone and that it needs to kind of update. Yeah, so you're no, not totally. four mm-hmm. years of your life. I don't know, doing something that you're not very excited about. That's- oh, yeah, no,
1: I agree. And it's something that, you know, I'll never use my biology degree. Tens of thousands of dollars were spent trying to get a biology <laughs> yeah. degree. And, uh, I think if I had before college or early in college, been introduced to the workforce and gotten to really test out my strengths and see what fit, it would have gotten a different degree. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So we'd have kids stage and then um, we'd they'd stick around. We actually had a couple of people volunteer to be mentors of, from the community. And so they would um, pick the kids up after work and um, do like a little bit of post-work training with them. Um, and this is all part of our, I don't know if it was spoken explicitly, but we wanted to be, we wanted to build a business that wasn't a couple of guys from outside of Baltimore coming in mm-hmm. and just imposing stuff on the city and just gentrifying the space in an unhealthy way. I, I think there's kind of, you know, I won't go there, but I, we wanted to become, like, adopted kids of the city, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, we wanted to come in and, like, be part of the family and take care of folks and take care of the community where we could um, and just share our appreciation and, and, our, and our respect through the food. Um, and, I, and I think we did a good job of that. And I think now it's a point where EkiBen is like an institution there. Mm-hmm. Echibin is like, dude, it, it, it's. I think some of my favorite experiences are sometimes. I, one time I was I was on Reddit, and so there there's some DC Baltimore beef thread. You know they were like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm just scrolling down, and someone and someone just randomly writes like, um, there are great things in Baltimore. Have you been to Echibin?
0: You know what I'm saying? Like that, man. That's that's the best, just because like, just to get a random shout out and like. It just make a strong connection to something you love just yeah. elates you like random act of kindness.
1: Yeah. And it's, but that was never, I mean, we wanted to be an institution, but we didn't really know what we were creating. You know what I'm saying? We were just trying to be ourselves and cook food that we wanted to cook and just engage with people the way they wanted to. And I think we were able to do that because we didn't have like venture capital funding or something. Mm-hmm. There was no one telling us how to run the business. You know what I'm saying? So like we borrowed money from a bunch of friends and family when we started out. Um, There are a lot of things that actually Steve did. He really had like most of the vision for this. um, That I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't always like in agreement with because it was very aggressive and very. uh, So for example, none of the music in the restaurant is censored. Mm -hmm. Like it's all like very loud. It's very in your face, and I was like, dude, like, are are we okay with this? Like,
0: you know. Man, I I I really like that though. That's kind of like, uh, it's like a coffee shop. You know how people don't actually. I mean they come for the coffee but they're more there for the vibe. Yeah. Like you don't want to come to a coffee shop um like you go to Dunkin for coffee. Yeah. You go to a coffee shop for the vibes.
1: Right, right, right. And I I guess at the time I didn't really understand that but now I recognize like it's an it's like
0: as soon as you close the
1: door behind you and you come in the restaurant it is a vibe. Like the whole <laughs> thing is just a unique experience, you know. Um and yeah, so like that our Instagram is always in all caps. That was another one of Steve's ideas, um, and it all created this like this unique creature that uh, you know all these little things, all these little decisions that we make um, made something that was more than us. You know that, that was more than any of those small pieces. You know, and uh, it was just incredible to watch it grow and then watch it be received and understood by so many people, mm-hmm. and, and and have it resonate with them. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So like that that was an amazing experience to be a part of. And, and I, I loved it. it, it was very hard. I think towards the end of it, I recognized that it's not, a lot of my strengths weren't compatible or weren't in line with like the strengths that are required to run a business at that level or to run a restaurant specifically. Cause it was a lot of just um, long hours. It was a lot of engaging with people all the time. It was a lot of um, like cooking, like literally like, two hours of peeling cucumbers, you know, And as an owner, you have to do everything.
0: I, yeah, I'm in a small business where there's 15 people. So, and the other funny thing about that is, I mean, I think you get a lot of respect when you do that, Yeah, especially from the employees, like, because if you tell someone to do something and they've never seen you do it, and not that that can always work, especially in big businesses, but if they see you peeling cucumbers, it makes it a lot easier for them when you tell them to cut cucumbers yeah yeah. just people don't really understand that with small businesses and like it's all about the not I wouldn't say the optics but like the uh just I don't know understanding of
1: yeah I mean I think and this is something that I didn't this is where the ignorance part comes in I didn't recognize what it was like to run a business I thought it was a lot of managing people and getting them to do things I didn't really know I had to like know it that well But, um, yeah, I was totally wrong about that. And um, I had to know how to, like, scrub down a kitchen very quickly. I had to know the fastest way to peel 300 cucumbers. I had to know the best way to fry chicken, you know?
0: Wholesale vendors, where to get, like, if your supplies are super short, where's the quick places? Right. Where do I buy in bulk? How do I cut down on the margins? Because those are the big, big things, right? In restaurants, those are the big things, but
1: but I think the small things are actually more important when you're running, when you're starting out, like... You need to prove to your staff, and they need to have trust and faith in you, that, like, you can hang, and that you care, and that they aren't going to do anything that you can't do yourself. Otherwise, they're not going to follow you. You know. So, um, did I come in for three years? I kept doing their marketing. I just wanted to get into something that had like a more nine to five feel. You know, because um, you never stop working when you run a business. Your own business, yes. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I sold it to my two buddies, um, and that was a really hard, long process as well. Uh, so Steve and Ephraim. And so they're still doing well. I was doing their marketing for a while afterwards. I was just like on contract with them. Um, the new marketing person is so much better. <laughs> and so, and well, you know, I, I will say this. The, the company has changed a lot. I think initially we were trying to build currency with the community, mm-hmm. and we were trying to... Um, uh, build a, a brand build an identity and like really get by and really connect with people you know and i, I acumen is going to keep doing that forever um they open up the new hamden location Hamden's is right by hopkins university and um there's there's so many like college students going there um going to the new, the, the new spot and um the new marketing person just is so in align with like memes and popular culture and all these things that like I just don't understand anymore, mm-hmm. and I, I don't really want to, but that, Ecumen is so much cooler now. Like I don't know if you've been on the Instagram recently. It's, it's, I don't know what they're talking about, but they have so many followers and so many people are engaging with their content in a way that, um, is pretty incredible. Uh, honestly, it's, uh, yeah. So they're doing a great job, but, but that just speaks to the vocabulary exchange the ideas and how people exchange ideas it's it's all very visual now mm. like two memes laid over each other can speak like a paragraph of words that i couldn't have done on like when, when i was doing the social
0: media page it's just so interesting um yeah but to uh you you said it so quickly I don't know if it, it's difficult for you to talk about, but what made you actually decide on selling the restaurant or your share of the restaurant?
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I think for me, and I, I haven't talked about this in a long time actually. Um, for me, it was I recognized that the life that I was living at that point was not what I wanted to keep doing. As far mm-hmm. as um, like long days, as far as um, even the the industry just requires so much of you and, and the people who are in it, they love it. Um, and they it is, they are fully, they only want to be like restaurant owners and, and they, and they love every part of it. You know? Um, I think for me, I wanted to, I kind of enjoyed doing more. First of all, I, I missed the nine to five uh, to a degree. Um, I didn't really have a lot of space to, I, I, I because I was so busy with the restaurant, I, wasn't nurturing a lot of the relationships that I, um, that I had family, friends, otherwise. Um, I, uh, I I miss just like reading, just like, you know, thinking about things and, and, and everything I do not impacting an entire staff of people and having to think about all those things. Um, yeah, I think Steve and Ephraim, they, they were really like made to do that stuff. And um, and they just loved it so much, and and and, and I, I love it like now I love it like in uh like a like a child that I gave away for adoption, you know, where I know that part of me is somewhere in there, mm-hmm. I know that I like loved and cared for it very much, uh, but it's not mine anymore. You know, I and gave it away. And are not paying the
0: child support. You're not, You're paying not the child visitation. support. Visitation.
1: And and part of it is also like, um, I if i get too close i feel like i'll get emotionally like
0: involved again you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah it's just for my own sanity but you get unlimited food for life i would imagine like you go in everything's comped yeah. you know who i am Do you, have you said that before I when you walk- before, oh, no. you wouldn't you wouldn't be that person who walks <laughs> yeah but um but but, yeah so but that whole process
1: i was talking to some other business owners about um what it's like to sell businesses and they said it's like a like a breakup like yeah and I never, I was like, oh, like, yeah, these are my brothers. Like, these are guys who, like, I, who are part of my family, who I love so much. We've been through so much together. It was more of a breakup than I thought it would be. And it took a long time to really realize what was happening on the, on the back end, of things. So I think there were some, um, it, it was just a hard process. You know what I'm saying? Like, giving something up, maybe like some expectations not being met on either side. Um, so it was difficult. And, uh, but I think it had to be done. And, and Ecuban's better for it. Like Ecuban's just doing so well right now. It, it's awesome to see them just grow and, and become even um, more of an
0: institution mm-hmm. and more beloved. And uh, yeah, it, it's great. That's awesome. It's with anything relationship-wise. Like When you put that amount of hours into it, I think I read something that was like when a uh, spouse dies, especially if it's like a long, um, long marriage or whatever type of relationship, you have so much... This is going to sound kind of cold, but institutional memory and like mm. memories in that person that you've stored, you mm. know what I mean? Like when that yeah. person dies, the stuff that you shared together and the stuff that, let's say the person was responsible for the memories, the basically it's a part of you that dies with it. Yeah. And sometimes you kind of
1: want it to die a little, at least for me. So I think,
0: well, it was unhealthy, right? Cause yeah, you was, said you yeah. wanted the nine to five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first year after I left Ecuben, I spent a lot of time trying to get back to who I was before I started Ecuban like mentally, which is kind of weird, but I, I missed the um, the guy who wanted to be that professor. Just like, yeah, wanted to read yeah, yeah. and learn
0: and like. You wanted to chill. You, yeah. wanted, you wanted to be able to just relax and do I what you to want to. I wanted to be in like, the
1: theoretical space and like, the, the ideating, you know, and the um, building community that way. So, I think about things. can I
0: pause you for a yeah. second just because this is the perfect point to bring in your Enneagram type? Okay. So you scored a, I scored, you got typed as a five. So fives are alert, insightful, and curious. They are able to concentrate and focus on developing complex ideas and skills, independent, innovative, and inventive. They can also become preoccupied with their thoughts and imaginary constructs. So that, I mean, that, that basically describes exactly what you were trying to explain. Because it sounds, it's not that the restaurant, um, obviously they're expanding and stuff like that, but maybe you just caught caught in a routine and a, just like you said, you're kind of trying to be like imaginative. You wanted time where you can kind of let your, your mind wander. You wanted your free time.
1: I would say even, and I don't know if I addressed this yet, but in order for me to run the restaurant, I had to really change like how I functioned. You know, when, when we first started out, I had a hard time focusing on what's right in front of me. What, like with the food, I had a hard time, um, because I was always thinking about things, you know what I'm saying. But I had to really change how I engage with the world in order to run that place effectively, and that was a long process. Um, a long process of being told to clean something over and over again. A long process of um, like tasting food that goes out. A long process of being of getting feedback from my coworkers and guys who were who have been in the industry for a long time. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I think I that's why when I left the restaurant, I really want to get back to. Kind of the guy I was before, but I don't know if there's any going back there anymore. Mm-hmm. I think some changes they just become a part of you, and you move forward, you know. And you're kind of like new now, or you're different from when it's from when it started. I um, uh, yeah. yeah, but also maybe that's just age. You know, we're getting older. You know? Yeah, like, that's We, we don't think the same way that we did when we were twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, it's it's just do hard you to feel compa- that way? Like
0: no, I I definitely feel that way just because, and not just mental but I mean I guess everyone says physical too because I started giving my son piggyback rides so at like some points I'm like oh my back hurts I don't know why my back hurts and then I think about that and then I have to get a heating pad but yeah um, what I've realized with with my brain is just the fact that um, and I, I, I just don't want to have the same mental path as my parents because I feel like what is that path like what, what, how describe it. well the mental path is I feel like to put it in a metaphor, it's like a a river that they just keep on going down the same river or the same trail or path. And it's really dug in. And Mm. I, I never want to be that way. I want to be like a capillary of like uh, different paths, different Mm. thoughts, Mm. constantly changing just because what what I see in um, older role models and parents is they kind of, at least the ones I know, they're kind of stuck in one way and they don't kind of venture out into their comfort zone. And it's not just like travel, it's like music, relationships with other yeah. people. And I think if, and, and that kind of touches into just like the last, you could just say the last five or six years with uh, racial equality, like yeah. LGBTQ. I, I, I apologize, I don't know the updated. Um, but just overall being able to change—not that uh, I didn't believe in all that COVID, all this other stuff—but being able to adapt to your circumstances or changes in the world around you. Yeah. Um, and I think this is going to sound contradictory, but me not being so close to the news, I think, helps me understand uh, society more. I don't know if it sounds contradictory. No, 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 that
1: makes, I I took a step back from music. I've I've gotten more into like reading history recently. That's been really informative for me. Okay. uh, Personally. In recent years, so many things are like stranger than fiction, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and I'm just like, I don't know what is happening here. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think history has provided a lot of, um, uh, has provided a story of human development and what, and, 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 uh, history philosophy too. Um, that it, to me is, is providing more insight than news that I get on the radio or mm-hmm. on Instagram. Um, after Eki Ben, um, I was looking for a, a, like any type of job when I left. Um, and I got into, I started interning at, at a couple of different places, um, just trying my hardest to anything. And then, um, I, a government contracting company, um, started interning with them, came on their staff and, uh, yeah, so now I'm I'm working in management uh in government contracting like like you said I'm also doing on like data admin like data analytics and tool administration. Um and it's a, it's a different life. I think now I'm more focused now on like what is it going to take what does it take to be a good husband to be someone who is um who is uh engaged with this community, who is intentional to be a good like Christian uh, husband and Christian person who's trying to be a part of the community in, in Baltimore, um, and I'm like trying to figure, like, think about that. Like, how do I, based on what I value, how do I become the best version of myself now? You know, um, and I feel like I I gotta <laughs> figure that out before kids come along because I feel like it just gets crazier after then. You know, you have less time to think about developing yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, just what I'm kind of like as now that I'm in my 30s like what am I focusing on and, and, and what are my goals and what is like I'm I love Baltimore very much you know um, we live in Patterson Park in, in the city um, I love the community there I'm not as I, I'm always bullish about the city but I'm not like naive about what we can do mm-hmm. you know? I'm not naive about like um, how much I contribute mm-hmm. to the community in the space I, I think when I was at Acuben, there was a um, I really thought that we could, you know, you know, change the city, especially after Freddie Gray. I think there's a lot of that energy. Like, hey, mm-hmm. what can we do to help people? What can we do to, like, build the city up? Um, I'm very thankful for the community we have there, and I love it a lot. I, I'm just trying to figure out... Um,
0: Best know, way I, where you fit, basically. Yeah,
1: where I fit, but also do I need to be in the city, like, in the future, and, like, especially growing a family. And unfortunately, it's just, like, as much as I love the city, it's, it's hard... So the, the people who've been in the city for a long time are some of the best people I've ever met. Like, mm-hmm. who, are, who are raising families, they're super intentional about it. Um, it's just hard to do, you know. It, it 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 almost feels like you have to either you either grow out of it or you give the city like your your soul to it a little bit, and
0: like mm-hmm. and like it becomes like a focal point of your of your existence. Um, yeah. So I assume you you don't really see yourself getting back into Acumen.
1: Um. No. No. I don't. Not not Acumen. Uh, may, maybe I could. Uh, start like a, so 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 my my wife uh, she's a New Englander uh, her family's from Maine, um, and uh, they're always like oh you should come up to Maine sometime like you should like settle down here or in New England, and I'm like man if if I go to New England and settle down I'll probably try and open up a restaurant <laughs> at some point just because I think in addition to um it, it becomes a way to express yourself mm-hmm. and I, and I think in a space where like it's maybe not as diverse it becomes an opportunity for you to share your culture and also it comes to space where the restaurant industry attracts a lot of like working class uh, people of color and like that community is, is, is pretty, was fun to be a part of when I was, when I was in it. And so, um, I, if I was, if I moved to a place that was less diverse, I would try and build that community again somehow, Mm -hmm. um, through a restaurant or through something else. Okay.
0: That's good to hear. Cause I I know you moved to, uh, or moved to, doing like AWS and cloud. Yeah. So my other follow up question was, do you think you moved to that so you could get more free time? Cause what I see with people is either a, you make a job more like to support your free time or you make your job part of your life. If that makes sense. Kind of like, yeah, you're trying to limit as many hours. You're trying to make yourself as productive as possible. A, so you can retire early or B, reduce the amount of hours you have to work there to support your off time. Would you say that's kind of the case? Um, I think it's kind of a balance. I, I can't deny
1: the fact that, like, you know, government contracting and technology like, pays well, you know, and, and I, I don't know if I'd be doing it if it didn't, but um, I'm not trying to necessarily, like, minimum. I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know what, what, what retirement would look like for me. You know, I kind of just like, Learning things, like growing, like developing my skill set, and if I can't do that, I don't know what I'll do otherwise. <laughs> my friends have told me that I have a hard time like chilling, <laughs> and I uh, I can see that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I I enjoy technology
0: right now, so I think I'll just like, keep learning. So it's a balance, basically. Yeah, it, it's a balance. You you enjoy it, but it's not your passion. Yeah. But it's still, it's still. Stemming your curiosity. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I'm going to ask my standard question. Um, what is something that your um, parents did that you like to pass on to your kids when you have them? And what is something that you uh, maybe want to do something differently?
1: Yeah. Uh, one. Th- so I think the thing that my parents did that I would want to pass on to my kids is when they came to the States, I think it would have been easy... For a like a, a foreign family to come here and try and find people who were just like them and try and become ingrained in that community I think a mm-hmm. lot of um, it's just an, like a, like a, like a easy path I, I think a lot of first generation Ameri- or, or a lot of foreigners come to the states and try and find what they had back home in the states mm-hmm. as far as like people with similar culture people with similar background race all that but my parents they um, they put us in a really they really valued the church and they found a church that was very diverse, Mm -hmm. a neighborhood that was very diverse. Um, Our friends all looked very different from us and um, they encouraged that, you know, and and they never were like, oh, we got to get these kids to meet more Indian people, you know. Um, They let us, I I think they really cared about our Christian faith and heritage, Mm -hmm. but other than that, they really let us hang out with whoever Um, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, That was definitely a huge part of my uh, it's a huge part of my psychology and a huge part of my development growing up. I think one of the things that I would have done differently is I think they gave us very specific paths that we should, that they told us that we should walk for success, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at one point when Ecuam was, was was ramping up, they just stopped because I think they just saw the line out the door and they saw the newspaper clippings and they're like, okay, we don't know what this kid's doing anymore. But <laughs> it's.
0: We'll approve of it. I see monetarily, it's, it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: There's, um, there's honor and respect in it, and there's like, value in it. That he's doing something that they, they didn't understand what was going on. They're like, all right, like, we don't get it, but it, you're building something interesting, so go for it. And so I, I think at that point, they kind of uh, stepped off. But um, my sister, well, my sister's a nurse. Um, my brother and I, we really didn't follow that pathway, um, for one reason or another, but um, you know, I, I think if 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 they didn't push us down one way or another, we would have tried different things out and figured out what worked, mm-hmm. rather than jumping into something that we didn't really understand, and then trying to figure out if it worked for us or if we and trying to force it, you know, um, where I, like and then afterwards realizing that it wasn't really our thing, and and trying a couple of
0: different things and then getting into something that we really that really resonated with us. But yeah, thank you very much for uh, doing this and driving all the way from Baltimore. I appreciate it.
1: Dude, no, thank you. You know, so much has changed in uh, in 15 years. I know. But, but, but just the fact that, you know, randomly your podcast popped up on my Facebook page and I listened to it and just the fact that like Michael Strumsky is as like energized and thoughtful and caring as he was when he was 16 when I knew him. The fact that that's the same, like that just, that, that's like soul food for the heart. Like, so know, I'm tingling really, right really now. Nice.
0: Uh, no one's actually called me caring before, so thank you. <laughs> they impulsive, energetic, against the wall. N- none of the traits you just said, so thank you very much. <laughs> uh, if you liked this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, please follow me on Apple Podcasts so you won't miss out on more episodes like these.